0: everybody, we're so glad to have you here at Mill City Church this morning in kind of bizarre circumstances, but Palm Sunday nonetheless, and I'm really excited to be with you this morning. I'm hoping that today this conversation that we have together will feel a little bit more like we're having a living room Bible study since a lot of you are probably sitting in your living rooms than it would a traditional sermon at Mill City Church. So that's kind of how I've prepared it. I hope it feels a little relaxed and you can take some deep breaths as we look at the scripture and ask God to speak to us. It may be that one of the best things we can do today is just read through this story and ask God to say, what is it you want to teach us? How do you, What do you want us to hear as we listen to it on this Palm Sunday? So let me pray for our, our, few, our few moments together, and then we'll continue. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you that uh, we're able to be together, even though there's all kinds of Challenges in figuring out technology and people working so hard to make sure that we can still connect around your word We're grateful for your presence with us. uh, Even in the midst of hard times, we know that you're here in Jesus and we pray. Amen Okay, so we're in this series uh, in the midst of celebrating Lent uh, a season where we are in fasting and remembering our dependence upon God and we've been talking about these I am statements that Jesus makes throughout the book of John And we're going to continue that today. We've been saying that the best way to understand ourselves is to listen to who Jesus says he is and what that might mean for us and our identity. And so I want you to grab a Bible. If you have an actual Bible, maybe get one out today. Have somebody find one. Uh, Or if you have one on your phone or tablet or whatever you have access to, look up John chapter 11. We're going to read it together and we're going to invite God to speak to us through this story. I'm gonna give you a little bit of background so we understand the story as well as we can. In the chapter before this, Jesus is in Jerusalem and he's making people mad because he's saying things that indicate that he really is God's son and people should believe that he is God's son. They don't like that very much. They actually pick up stones to go ahead and stone him. And so he retreats to the place where his cousin, John the Baptist, had been baptizing people uh, way at the beginning of his ministry. So I want you just to imagine being in the community of disciples of Jesus in this moment. They're in this kind of deserty place and they're afraid. They're afraid for Jesus' life. They're afraid for their own lives. They're really unsure what the future is is going to be like. Maybe they're nervous about how other people are perceiving them or their association with Jesus. There's just tons of uncertainty. They don't even know what's going to happen the next day, let alone the next year. And that's where they are. And they're with Jesus wondering what might happen. And as I was reading the story this week, I couldn't help but relate to this time that many of us were in where uncertainty is kind of the norm now, and we're just unsure about what's going to happen next, and we're trying to manage that the best we can. Trying to trust Jesus in the midst of that. I think that's the same place that these disciples were in as they were trying to follow him here. So uh, with your Bible in John chapter 11, let's start reading this story. And I really encourage you even to chat with each other as I'm talking. If something stands out to you or you feel like there's something that God might be saying to you and the people you're with as we read it. John chapter 11, verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. So we know this is somebody that Jesus cared a lot about. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, He stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Now, you got to remember that when he said, let us go back to Judea, their their hearts all jumped up into their throats because they were terrified of going anywhere near Jerusalem. And that's what he was suggesting. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you. And yet you are going back. Notice the, the use of you there and not we, right? You are going back. Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It's when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied with another good excuse, right? Lord, if he's sleeping, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. And then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us go also, that we may die with him. So they know when they're following Jesus to go see Lazarus uh, and his family that their life may be on the line. This is a a section of this story that I think teaches us about how Jesus deals with fear. He steps into this fear. You know that Jesus had to feel afraid after being threatened, his life threatened in Jerusalem, to to go anywhere near there. But instead of hiding out, he steps right back into it. And he invites the followers that he has to step into their fear, to continue to do the things that God is calling them to do. He doesn't pretend that the fear isn't there, and I think this is really important right now. You don't see Jesus just ignoring the fear or telling them that they shouldn't be afraid. It's a real experience that they're having. He just says, let's act in the daylight. Let's do the things that we're called to do transparently, openly, honestly and allow uh, what we do, allow everyone to see what it is that we're doing. And so Jesus um, teaches us, I think, in many ways at this moment, how do we step into these fears that we're facing? Uh, It's easy to hide when you're afraid. It's harder to step into things that maybe God is calling you to do, and maybe that's part of the story that might speak to you this morning. All right, let's look at verse 17 to 37 as we continue on. says on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and you know why that's important. They were afraid that people might come from Jerusalem and threaten their lives. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. So people were already there. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask for. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And then Jesus said to her, and here's our I am statement for the day. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? So in the midst of, of mourning, Jesus reminds Martha who he is. He makes this identity statement and says, I am the resurrection and the life. Somehow belief and trust in Jesus can give us, give us life that doesn't end in death. And because Jesus knows who he is, he can step into his fear, he can step into uncertainty, he can step into danger in ways that maybe we all would shrink back from if we didn't have that kind of clarity that he has. Jesus is changing our understanding of death from an end to a transition. He says, that as we face death and trust in him, we can live our lives differently because we know that not even death has power over Jesus' followers and the people who believe in him. He faces death in the story himself by even going near Jerusalem to save his friend Lazarus. But he risks his life not only to save Lazarus, but also so that the people around him can have their belief in him solidified by seeing the power that he has over death. The religious leaders wanna stone Jesus, but that doesn't stop him from entering into Bethany and, and, healing, and, and healing his friend and bringing healing to his friend. Jesus knows who he is, and that changes how he lives his life. I think for this whole series, we've been trying to say knowing who we are can change who it, who it, how it is we live our life. And to really find our identity, we have to understand what our identity is in Christ. Then we have this moment that I wanna talk about just for a second, where Jesus is really sad. It says he's moved to tears. And the shortest verse in the Bible, for you kids who are listening out there, if you wanna memorize a Bible verse and impress your parents, memorize verse 35 here. Jesus wept and be like, I I memorized a verse today. Your parents will be happy with you. Jesus is, is sad and maybe a little bit angry about his friend dying, but how does that make any sense? when he knows that he's about to raise him from the dead. And some people around him are wondering like, if he can heal people of blindness, why didn't he just heal his friend from the sickness? And Jesus is watching Mary mourn and he's watching these other Jewish folks mourn the loss of the friend and he's overwhelmed to the point of weeping. He sees their pain and he steps into that. He sees the pain of the other mourners and he appreciates their suffering. He knows the pain that his friend Lazarus experienced in in going through sickness and dying. He might be anticipating his own death and suffering and the way that that's gonna affect his mom and the people who care about him the most and seeing what grief his death will cause them because he is anticipating that. There's a whole variety of reasons for why it was that the God of the universe was overwhelmed with emotion at this particular moment, at this particular point in this story. But one thing I think we ought to take away from it is that even though God knows that there's victory in the future, even though God knows that there's life on the other side of COVID-19, that doesn't mean that the God of the universe doesn't suffer along with us when we're scared, when we're uncertain, and when we're suffering a loss in our lives, in our families. The God of the universe, despite having power over death, also enters into our fear, our anxiety, our worry, our suffering, and says very clearly and very plainly, I am with you. I'm not not distant from your suffering. I understand what that's like. I'm with you. So Jesus says that he didn't save Lazarus from dying because he wanted people to believe that he really is the Son of God and that he really will be with us no matter what. So this suffering, even though it can be hard to understand in our lives, can lead to greater trust and dependence on God when we know that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. All right, let's read the last part of the story and and look at one more piece. Uh, Verse eleven, or sorry, chapter eleven, verse thirty-eight. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he says. But Lord, says Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been there four days. And then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And so they took away the stone. And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this out loud for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Then the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, the people gathered him, take off the grave clothes, and let him go. The king, we celebrate on Palm Sunday that Jesus is the king. The king has power even over death. And the king knows that he is the resurrection and the life and that he has power even over death. Death is not the end for Jesus' followers. Jesus demonstrates his power over death here and he invites people to believe in him. He does it intentionally in a way that invites the people who are with him to see that not even death can hold him, and they should trust him with their whole lives. And that's the same thing that Jesus is saying to us today in the midst of all the craziness that we're facing right now. The king of the universe, Jesus, the one who sits at the right hand of God, is communicating back to us in the 21st century, no matter what you're facing, I understand your suffering and I'm with you. Also, not even death can hold you. Not even death can keep you from my presence. And so trust me and I will be with you. You have to also realize at this point in the story that Jesus seals his fate by doing this. He walks right up to within a mile of Jerusalem and raises a man from the dead, knowing full well that the religious leaders are going to kill him for doing that. He risks his life to step into this part of the story that the Father had invited him into. Jesus knows who he is, and he's trying to help others to believe in him and to trust him still today. Despite the suffering and pain that we go through in this life, we know that Jesus is with us and death is not the end for those of us who put our faith in Jesus Christ. So this frees us to live differently, even now. We are resurrection people We are people who serve the King, who is the resurrection and the life. And we know that we have eternal life with God, both now and forever, through our faith in Jesus Christ. Let me finish with just a short story. So uh, in the last few weeks, my family's been going through some mourning and preparations. And my grandmother, Binder, is in the last days of her life. And um, a Sunday ago, or two Sundays ago, my family texted me and called me and said, you should She'd come and see your grandmother because she may not have much longer to live. And it turns out that was not quite right as my grandmother is very strong and holding on to her life. But she's towards the end of it. And so I went with her and I entered into the living room along with my sister. And I knew I had a chance to say goodbye to my grandmother, which not everybody gets. And I sat down next to her and I told her how much I loved her and how proud I was to be her grandson. And I told her that she balances grace and truth better than anybody I've ever met in my life. And then she looked at me square in the eyes and she said two really meaningful things. She said, Michael, uh, I am so excited to meet Jesus face to face. I can't wait to go. And then she said, and uh, I will meet you in heaven. And I left that meeting with my grandmother, both sad and also hopeful because I realized in this really important moment in my family's life what a huge difference faith makes. That when any of us are facing death in any form or fear of death or fear and uncertainty in life, that we can return to our faith and say, not even death holds back the king of the universe because he comes back. And this whole week will be about us remembering that and celebrating that. May the identity of Jesus Christ reshape how we're living our lives right now in the midst of such difficult times. May you trust that the God of the universe is with you in your suffering and reminding you that not even death can keep you from God's presence. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your courage, that you step into fear in ways that are really hard for us to imagine. We thank you that you're present with us in the midst of hard times and that you know what those hard times are like, you've been through them yourself. That you know that, um, we know that you weep with us when we weep and you also help to remind us that there's always hope beyond whatever we're facing right now. And so today we cling to that hope even though we can't see the future. And we cling to our relationship with you and ask that you remind us that you are with us And that not even death is the end for those of us who are followers of yours and and reminded today that you are the resurrection and the life. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.